may be seated. Uh, very honored and uh, pleased to be here. Uh, I don't even know if I can say the name of the city uh, correctly. Watauga? Is that Watauga? I, I'm, I'm a Hoosier. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, we talk a little different than Texans, even uh, in Indiana. So uh, sorry about that. But it's great to be here. Um, what an honor. What a beautiful presence of the Lord. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. I am, uh, it's such the people of God. There's nothing like the people of God. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, start out with a video here, talk to you a little bit about what we're doing, and then give my kids and my wife a little bit of an opportunity. cities in the world. It's beautiful. This is Sao Paulo. We have 18 million people in that city, 30 million in the surrounding areas, 48 million in the surrounding This is the meeting of the waters. Jesus. This is what attracted Brother Benny the Merchant to Brazil. And so we do a lot of work with uh, children's crusades and kids. And since We've been there. We got there in 2012. We've seen about 5,000 get the Holy Ghost in about five years. And you know, getting the Holy Ghost, doesn't matter where it is. You, can, you know it's the Holy Ghost when, get, when the kids get the Holy Ghost. It's beautiful. These are kids that have received Holy Ghost certificates. And this is on the banks uh, of the jungle, one of the rivers out in the jungle. Uh, we had 97 kids get the Holy Ghost in this crusade. And that's my wife there praying. And this is uh, next to an Indian village. There's about 100, 110 inside this building. And we had about 43 get the Holy Ghost in this crusade. That is one of our baptismals, and in that water, they have uh, we have fish that have more teeth than you have. And this is our newest baptismal. Uh, the next picture is one of my favorites, because last year I had the honor of baptizing my son in the name of Jesus. Just this year alone, we have baptized over 50 former Trinitarians in the name of Jesus. And this is my wife's sister that is married to a Trinitarian pastor. We baptized her and we baptized three Trinitarian pastors in the name of Jesus. This Bible school is the only full-time Bible school uh, in the state of Sao Paulo. We're uh, going to be graduating our fourth class this year. And these pictures are on our property. We have about 40 acres on the outskirts of Sao Paulo. And that is a picture of a graduating class inside our church sanctuary. We do a lot of home Bible studies. The Brazilians love that. 
this next picture is my 18 year old girl doing what she does best eating and we do a lot of work with the families there is an attack on the family worldwide not in just Brazil but there is an attack and if the enemy can start uh, breaking up the family that is the first line of defense for the church and if he can break that he can start getting into the church so we do a lot of work with families in Brazil this is a youth camp that we do every year we have about had about 300 inner city youth kids come out uh, this year and we had how many was it 43 get the Holy Ghost 43 get the Holy Ghost this year and we this is a princess tea and gentlemen's meeting where we teach young girls how to respect themselves and young men how to respect young girls because the age of consent in Brazil is 14 years old this is a ladies conference that my wife has where she gets the opportunity to minister to ministers wives and this is some plans for the orphanage that we are building uh, on the property that we have and this is a convention center that we're also building it's much further along now uh, this is the largest structure that we have uh, for our churches in Sao Paulo and we'll seat about 600 people last picture is my favorite this is my family my oldest daughter is 25 my youngest daughter is five with the same wife and um, my oldest daughter is expecting our first grandchild and, and we're really happy about that well my wife is more happy that I'm not sure that I'm ready to be a grandpa yet but my, my daughter lives over here in Longview, Texas, so it's not far. And so um, it's, it's great to have the family close for a while. Let me introduce you to my five-year-old. This is Janae. Janae is not shy. <laughs> Janae was actually, my wife was six months pregnant when we went to the field, and she was born in Brazil. So this is Janae. Praise the Lord, church. I'm going to sing a song today. Santo Espírito es bem-vindo aqui. Bem-vindo da lanche esse lugar. É um desejo do meu coração. Semos indo da luz por tua glória, Senhor. May God bless you. Now this is my son Justin. He is not going to sing for you today. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord. The five steps of salvation. You must believe. Repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and receive the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and live a godly, holy life. Cre, se pende, se batizado de morte, nome de Jesus, se batizado com o Espírito Santo, vive uma vida santa. And then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, 
every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Help us go back to Brazil. This is my wife. Um, she's a native Brazilian, and I think I married up. I'm very blessed. Praise the Lord, church. So good to be here this morning with you, and what a presence of God we felt this morning. We already felt. If the service would end, would you already be blessed? Yes. Amen? But I believe the Lord has more for us. And if you already were not touched, don't leave here without it. Amen? But let's not just be touched. Let's be transformed by his power. As my husband said, um, I am from Brazil. I came to the United States at the age of 15. And God was so gracious to me. He took me. I already knew some truth, but you see, some truth is not going to save us. He wanted me to have the whole truth. And I didn't have Jesus' name baptism. And the Lord brought me to America so that he could reveal himself, his true name, to me. God is a wonderful God. And nobody can stay, needs to stay in the dark. All that you need to ask is, Lord, I truly desire to be saved. And he will reveal himself to you. Amen. Amen. As the Lord called us to Brazil, we noticed there was some situations that needed um, a lot of attention. And one of them was the children. We, as we went to Brazil, and my husband will talk about that the first time that we went there, we noticed that the children was despaired. And after we start going over there, even the churches did not accommodate the children and did not make a space for the children. Guess why, church? Because the children didn't pay tithes. So why am I going to invest in someone that's not giving anything back? That's what they thought. But the children, how many are here today because of your children? Many times when we bring a child to the house of God, that child will bring their family. And that child will affect not just one generation, but if you save that child early enough, it will affect six generations. Amen? And my husband and I started going to Brazil, even leaving United States, um, to do children's crusade. All that we needed to do was to say, give a little invitation, and say, there is going to be food. Because many of the children didn't have food. You know, sometimes you think, yeah, the Pentecost where there is food, they're going to be there. Well, with them it's different. It's because they didn't have any. So that was an opportunity for them to feed their little bellies. But we would take that opportunity and not feed their little bellies, but pray them through the Holy Ghost. Because then that living life continued to feed them and they had hope. 
They didn't have to go to the drugs like their parents. In Brazil, it's common, like in Rio, for an eight-year-old to start carrying drugs and delivering them. The drug dealers will hire them for them to be carriers. And one of the saddest things the missionary, Sister Norris, was telling us when we were with her, that a 13-year-old boy said, Pastora, that's what they call her, I've been promoted. I don't have to run drugs anymore. Now I am going to be the wives of the drug dealer. This is a boy I'm talking about. Now no kids need to live that kind of life. How many is here that goes the bed hungry? But over there is very common. You see, we don't have carpet in our church. The seats are plastic, and you have opportunity where change your plastic seats to pills. And if the church or individual would like to sponsor a pill, you have that opportunity to have your name in a pill um, in our church. But it's style, plastic chairs, no air conditioning. But when we have church, <laughs> the pastor is saying, let's spend some time in God's presence. Well, that's all they have, church. When they come to the altar, they have to fix everything in the altar. So it's not just a 15 minutes prayer in the altar. They're on the altar for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half. Because they know that their answer is at the altar. And even if you still have food in your refrigerator or you're getting ready to go to a restaurant, let me tell you, the answer is still at the altar. The other... A uh, situation that we noticed as we got to Brazil was that many of our churches, the holiness has gone out the door. The world had came in. The woman did not look holy. Neither did the man. You see, a lot of times the men think, oh, holiness is just for a woman. No. God it's not, he's not going to say only the woman. He said, be holy for I am holy. Amen? Yes. Let me tell you, man. Holiness in a woman begins from the inside out. And man, protect your eyes. Because your eyes are the window of your soul. Yes. And as we saw that, the Lord said, you can make a difference. I brought you here, you've been at school. He said, you learn a lot in America. Now start sharing what you have learned. And you see, you might look and say, wow, Sister Cooper, she represents what the word of God said in holiness. It wasn't always that way. God had to transform me. And, but there was something, there was a hunger in me. I wanted to be transformed. I wanted to be everything that God created me to be. And let me tell you, church, God created every single one of us with a purpose. I am no special person. And if God did that for me, 
He can do it for anyone. The only thing he's required is a desire and obedience. Yeah. And as I start teaching holiness at our Bible school, and everywhere that we would go, at a ladies' conference, there was no ladies' conference in Brazil. Even the National Ladies' Conference, the man said, we want to be there too. And I said, by golly, I'm going to start a local one just with woman. <laughs> and that's what I did. And now, women from different states come to my ladies' conference. <laughs> There's times that you need to talk just to the woman. Amen? So, in this ladies' conference, I was um, asked to speak. And one lady, after I started, another state started too. Amen? And I was asked to speak in this ladies' conference. There was about 200 ladies there. And, oh, my Lord, that state, state of, um, city of Curitiba, state of Paraná, there was no difference between the ladies at the church and the ladies in the world. And the Bible tells us that we are peculiar separated unto him. That word peculiar is um, we are valuable for God. And as I got to that conference, the Lord told me, you will teach this. And I taught the pastor's wife in a um, setting, just this pastor's wife, and then I also taught in the whole setting. And there was a pastor's wife there, her name Marcella. And one of the services, and as I was preaching, she stood there and she looked at the lady beside her and she said, I don't believe it that I left my house to come to this conference to hear so much garbage. She told me this later on. And, but God was at work. You see, all that we need even in our ignorance, is to ask, Lord, what do you want from me? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And that lady, as I continued to preach, she was there just rejecting it. They were doing a raffle of this big household basket with a lot of household stuff. And Marcella went and bought a ticket. But before she bought it, she said, Lord, if anything that this missionary is saying is for me and you want me to change, make me win this basket. <laughs> oh, thank God that Marcella said that. And when they pulled the number, guess whose number came up, church? Marcella's number. Marcella was sitting in the back, and as her number was pulled, Marcella comes up shaking her, waving her number, shaking her head, and she is stumping all the way to the front. And as closer that she got to the altar, Marcella started crying. 
And Marcella said, even in my ignorance, God had mercy upon me. She said, and he made me win this basket because he knows how much I need to change. She said, I sat back there and I rejected. But by his mercy, he reached down and said, I have more for you, Marcella. And she said, missionary, would you please pray for me? And I am surrendering myself unto God. And I will change. You see, church, a lot of times we do things and we don't acknowledge who we are affecting. Everything that we do, we're affecting someone in the good way or in the bad way. We are influencing somebody. So let's be careful. How are we influencing someone? Amen. And as Marcella consecrate herself unto the Lord and surrender, 80 other ladies got up and said, Me too. Me too. Please pray for me. You see, ladies, our beauty does not come from a bottle. Our beauty comes from him. And why would I cover up the art of my God? A lot of times we are trying to cover up what he made. Why would I do that? Am I not happy the way he made me? No, I am very happy and very thankful. And the way I show that is coming out on the public and showing you the way he made me. Amen? Amen. Now let me tell you, if God would cover up Adam and Eve in the Eden, the Garden of Eden, after they sinned, it was only both of them there. Why would he cover them up? And the way he covered them up, let me tell you, it's not the way that they portray that was just their private parts. No. The tunic that he covered him up, that they ma he made out of animal skins, it covered them up from their shoulder to below their knee. And they were all only both of them. Is because the sight of flesh is abomination unto our God. And once they figure that out, that they were no longer covered up by righteousness, they had to be covered up by the animal skin. So our God is a holy God. He didn't say, be you all omnipotent, because he knew we could not. But he said, be holy for I am holy. Yes. And what God has done in Brazil, through one woman that decided to stand up for what is right, for what is God's way, what can he do through this whole church? Amen. Amen. He's looking for somebody to stand up and say, I will live God's way. I will do his will. I will let God shine through me. 
let him try, shine through you today. And wherever you go, take him with you and let somebody see God in you. Amen? Amen. Now, Brazil is my mission field. And I ask you, where is your mission field? You see, let me tell you where is your mission field. The minute that you leave those doors, you have entered on your mission field. Now God is going to require your mission field from your hands. Be a light into somebody and make a difference. May God bless you. I'm a blessed man. It is a wonderful thing to have a godly wife. I don't do this normally, but um, your pastor said <clears throat> something about the old songs. And I grew up in Pentecost. Now, that doesn't mean that I was a choir boy. <laughs> In fact, just the opposite. I didn't get the Holy Ghost till I was in my 20s. But my grandmother was a Pentecostal minister, and my kids are fifth-generation Pentecostal. Uh, I want to tell you this. I'm here because of a praying grandma. And never stop praying for your loved ones. Because my grandma didn't stop praying for me. And actually, the Lord spoke to my wife and said, I have to honor the prayers of my servant. Speaking of my grandma. Never stop praying. Y'all can help me sing this. I'm going to sing a verse. Um, and I hope it comes out okay. I don't have the best voice in the world, but I love the Lord. Then sings my soul. My Savior God to Thee, how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee how great thou art how great thou art hallelujah and he is great is so great. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles quickly to First uh, Kings chapter one, and I want to read verses fifty and then fifty-three, and then Second Kings chapter two, verses twenty-nine, and then verse thirty-four. First Kings chapter one verse fifty, and Adajona, that's Indiana again. Sorry about that. Feared because of Solomon, and arose and went, 
and caught hold of the horns of the altar. And then verse 53 said, So Solomon sent and they brought him down, brought him down from the altar. And he came and bowed himself to King Solomon. And Solomon said unto him, Go to thine house. 2 Kings 2, uh, 29 and 34. And it was told King Solomon that Joab was fled into the tabernacle of the Lord. And behold, he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go fall upon him. And verse 34, So Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and fell upon him and slew him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. With the help of the Lord, today I would like to preach to you the difference between near and on. Uh, Pastor, could you pray? Father, we're so grateful for the words we've already heard today. We're thankful for the word of God that's just been read to us. We ask you to open our ears to hear, to receive, bless your speaker, loose his tongue to give us what we need to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We live in a different world today. I grew up in what seems to be a different world, a different country, a different time. And the things that we face today, we never even thought about of a long time ago. You cannot tell what's real anymore. You can go on YouTube or uh, the internet and you can start looking at things and pictures. You see sharks coming out of the water, attacking helicopters and all kinds of things. And if you're looking at the picture, it looks real. So what you're looking at, you cannot tell if it's real or not. You don't know what is truth and what is real. Because we've created a society that nothing is real or what it seems. There's a verse in 2 Corinthians, it says this, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The word imaginations. Imaginations. It's made up of two words, image and nations. It's the image that the nation is giving. We see the image uh, that the nation says, this is what a woman is supposed to look like. This is what a man is supposed to look like. This is how our family is supposed to be. This is what we think or the image that the nation has of what a church should be. But that's not what God's image of things are. That's not God's way. If we're looking to the world for answers, we're looking in the wrong place. I'll show you something. In, back a hundred years ago, if you look where God was, God's going to be the pillar there. And maybe the world was about right here, so the church was about somewhere in between. That's normally how it is. The, the church is about halfway between the, the world and, and God. But the world is not here anymore. The world is probably somewhere over there by the wall. I'm going to ask you, where's the church? Has the world started to take the church and pull it to where it has been or where it was? 
Or are we as people getting closer to God to try to pull the world back? You see, that's imaginations of the world. How that we are imagining things should be. Well, it's okay. They do that. Well, not really. Not really. You see, we've seen a lot of things in Brazil. Um, does anybody here have warlocks that are trying to cast a spell on you? I do. Because we deal with voodoo over there. It's called Macumba. And every time that they, because on our corner, we live out in the country, and so they'll put a little, a little um, idolatry thing out there. Every time I see it, I go and break it up. Yeah, there, it was, it's offerings. And so I go and break it up. And then I take anointing oil and I pour around there. And I said, Lord, if you allow Joshua to curse whoever was going to build on Jericho, I'm cursing this spot right here. And you know, the enemy doesn't like that. Because we're just supposed to go along with what's happening. But we don't have to. That's not why, the way God made us. He made us different than that. You see, these scriptures here, I, I, I love what it was talking about. Out of Jonah, he was on the altar. They said they brought him down from the altar. But Joab was by the altar. You see, if you're by the altar or you're by the fire, you have the option to walk away. If, if I am here by this fire and it's hot, then I can just walk back to where it's a little cooler. But if I'm on the altar, I don't have that option. If I'm on the altar, things are going, to, are going to be different. It's uncomfortable on the altar. There's a, there's a verse in uh, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. And it says, giving beauty for ashes. Well, how do you get ashes? You never, you never get ashes being by the altar. It only comes through burning. You see, I look at that scripture as this. Adam was no more than ashes. He was dust. And so if I can put myself on the altar and I can allow God to consume me so that he can recreate me in his image. You see, if you read in... I love the book of Genesis. Um, I get to teach that in our Bible school. And one of the things the book of Genesis said, it says that Adam was made in God's image. And Adam was made in God's image. But when you read the second uh, one, it said Adam had Seth who was created in Adam's image. So it was no longer that Seth was created in the image of God. He was created in the image of Adam, fallen from grace. Now, I don't look anything like my dad. My dad was about this tall. And, uh, he was a good man. I loved him. Uh, I miss him every day. Uh, he was a veteran, by the way. And I salute all veterans that are here, by the way. Thank you. Because if it wasn't for the veterans, I couldn't be up here doing that. this. See, I live in a country where they don't allow guns for the honest people. So if you're an honest, hardworking person, you can't buy a gun. But it's a funny thing. Criminals always get them. We have been robbed. We had a home invasion. Five guys dressed up as military police came in our house. 
with guns. Not a lot you can do. But anyway, my dad, I don't look a lot like him. Neither do I want to. I want to recreate, be recreated in his image. You see, I was baptized in that water in the name of Jesus. I died to my old life. And I thank God that we have a merciful God. So what I should be is at the altar, on the altar, every time I can. Why? Because I want to be recreated in his image. I want to get the, the smell of the world off of me. Now, I like to hunt. Um, I do. I like to deer hunt. It's, it's, um, it's relaxing. Not for the deer, obviously, but it's, it's, it's relaxing for me. Now, we have um, some states that you go into that you can use dogs. And those dogs, when they will get the scent of the deer, that deer is desperate to find water. He is desperate to get into some deep water. Not just a little bit. He wants to get into some deep things. Because once he gets into that deep water, when he walks out the other side, he doesn't smell the same. And those things that had been chasing him before, can't find him now. That's exactly what happens when you laid it on the altar. And you allow that altar to consume you. You are changed. You are changed. And you don't smell like you smelled when you came in the place. That's why this altar is so important. In Brazil, my wife talked about it, how that people spend time at the altar. We have plastic chairs. Now, if you're my size, uh, I don't like plastic chairs too much. In fact, the, the chairs that are on the platform are wood. They're especially made for me. Because uh, me and plastic chairs just don't get along. But there's a hunger in the people. Sometimes in the United States, and I love my country, don't get me wrong, but sometimes I feel that the pastor and the worship team should have pom-poms up here. Cheering. Go! Because that's what it feels like sometimes. But let me tell you, when there's people that have hunger, there's not a lot you have to do. All you have to do is say this altar is open. You don't have to say, come to the altar. No, you just say it's open and they come. Why? Because they have a hunger and they have a need and they want something and they need something from the presence of the Lord. My greatest worry for us is that we don't need anything. That we live and we're happy and, you know, we, we have some sayings in, in Indiana, you're just fat and happy. Well, I, that applies to me, fat and happy. But I don't want that in the presence of the Lord. I never want to be satisfied where I'm at. You see, I always have to get on this altar. I can't just get by it. It's too easy to walk away. Can you imagine what the Lord has in store and wants to do in your life, but sometimes when it just gets a little hot, you walk out. In 2001, I made my first trip to Brazil. I told you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an Indiana farm boy. Um, 
I was born in Kentucky, but don't hold that against me. And so I, I went for the first time to a foreign country. I went to the Bahamas, that doesn't count. But I went to Brazil. And we were sitting at a little, little cafe eating on the street. And a little boy about my son's age came up. He was dirty, nasty, and smelly. And at that time, I didn't speak Portuguese. I, I, I speak redneck and a little bit of English. <laughs> and so he came up and said something to my wife. And I said, well, what did he say? And my wife said, he wants a bite of your sandwich. I said, well, where's his parents? Doesn't have any parents. He's, he's a street kid. I said, well, ask him how long it's been since he's eaten. Three days. I'd never seen that before. I told you, I'm an Indiana farm boy. We eat good. So I gave him everything that we had. And I'm asking him, do you want more? And a little eight-year-old's eyes lit up like, a, like I can't even tell you. His eyes were brilliant, bouncing and sparkling. And he said, no, thank you, sir. God bless you. And he ran off with his food to eat. And the Lord said, you can make a difference. I said, no, I can't. You got the wrong guy. Worked for the post office for a long time. Was happy. Had a great home, great church. And I said, no, Lord, you're, you're talking to the wrong man. I'm just one guy. I can't make a difference. I can't speak the language. And I'm not that nice of a person. And so for two years, every time I would go to pray, the Lord said, you can make a difference. And I finally got to the point and said, Lord, we've had this conversation before. I know I can't make a difference, so I'm just going to stop praying. I get the same answer every time I pray, so why do I need to keep praying? You're going to tell me the same thing. So December 15th, 2003, I wake up and I have a pain right here every time I breathe. Go to the doctor, and the doctor said, you need to go directly to the emergency room. I had a pulmonary embolism. I don't know if you know what that is. That's a blood clot in the lung. And it's normally pretty deadly. So I'm in the, I'm in the emergency room, and my blood pressure starts to fall. It went to 40 over zero. The emergency room nurse starts poking me with I don't know what all. And she's saying, Mr. Cooper, don't leave me. Mr. Cooper, can you hear me, Mr. Cooper? And the one thing I did hear was the voice of the Lord. He said, if you don't do what I need you to do, I don't need you. At that time, I had two little girls. I said, no, Lord, I want to walk my girls down the aisle. I want them to have a daddy. And so at that point, I put it on the altar. I said, Lord, I, I don't I can't make a difference, but Lord, you can change me. You can have your way in me. You can take the things out that don't need to be there. We were in a service on the banks of the Amazon. There were 4,000 kids in the audience. Not a breeze in sight, 110 degrees. And I had got up and preached, and my wife, who has a gift of faith, gets up, to, gets up to pray the prayer of faith. And as she's praying, there's a breeze that starts on this side of the building. 
the balloons started to move and you could see it move over the kids. And the way we do things is, as kids get the Holy Ghost, we bring them up on stage. It gives the kids incentive, we can get a count, we can get them plugged into the right places. And she said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And as she did that, we went down and there were 150 kids who had already received the Holy Ghost without anybody ever praying. By the time we were done, 383 kids had received the Holy Ghost. Amen. And my wife and I just sat down and cried. We said, Lord, I didn't, I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you still came in like a wind. I didn't know you still filled more than 100 people with the Holy Ghost. You see, it started here on an altar. I, I didn't have anything to do with it. But I was privileged to be able to go and see what God was going to do. Because I allowed myself to be taken to ashes. This year, and I'll close with this, we celebrate, every year we celebrate May of Miracles. God can do miracles at any time, but we take April and we start praying and fasting. I may not look like it, but I do. <laughs> and we start praying and fasting so that we say April showers bring May flowers. Don't say that in Portuguese, but it sounds real good in English. And the 17th of May of this year, we get a call from a lady who had stomach cancer on a feeding tube. We went, we prayed. Two days later, we get a phone call. The woman has thrown up her cancer, yanked out her feeding tube, and started to eat normally. You see, only God can do that. But it's because someone was willing to lay themselves on the altar, not just be by it. Not just get, when things get hot, that they walk away. You see, there are benefits to getting on the altar and staying there. Joab died, out of Jonah didn't. If you want life, and if you want more abundant life, get on the altar. Pastor.